you. Hey, hi. Happy Mother's Day. I'm so happy to see all of your faces. Um, I'm super honored and humbled that you guys asked me to share some of my heart today. So thank you for allowing me to be here with you all this morning. Um, when you guys asked me to speak and I was thinking about, you know, what to talk about, obviously, you know, this past year we've had quite the year with our daughter Joanna, and many of you know our story and know what we have been through. And so, you know, when I was praying and asking God, you know, what, what can I talk to moms about that we all understand, that we all can connect with? And the first thing I thought of is the one thing that every single mom in this room and every, every mom in the world has in common with one another, and that's fear. <laughs> right? We are moms. We fear for our children. We love them. We pray for them. We hope for them. We have dreams for them. But more than often, we hear moms saying, don't run out into the street and wear your helmet and buckle up and chew your food. Don't climb so high, right? These are things like every mom has said. It's like standard in the mom manual. Like these are the things we yell at our kids. Um, And so that was just one thing that... um, I realize that not only moms can connect with, but really we all can connect with. If you have ever loved anyone or you have ever gone through anything tough in your life, no doubt there was some fear that came with that. And um, so I just want to talk a little bit today um, about that. And I wanted to tell you guys a story about my mom. Um, and I asked her permission before I did this. <laughs> um, but when I was young, along the lines of my mom, all the other things that she said, like hold my hand in the parking lot, make sure to wear your bike helmet, like all these things that you know, like you just grow up knowing because your mom has repeated it a thousand times. The one thing she always told me was that do not play with jump ropes on play equipment because you will strangle yourself. That is what I grew up hearing all the time. I would like be heading out the door to play and she'd be like, don't bring a jump rope. And be like, okay. And so I never did that. I was like terrified. And so one day I was jump roping in my driveway, the safety of my driveway, like way far away from my play equipment. But we had a boat in our driveway and I was jump roping and it caught on the trailer hitch behind me and I dropped that jump rope so fast like it was on fire. I honestly thought it was coming to get me after all the things that my mom had said. It hooked and it terrified me and I literally never played with that jump rope again, right? Because it was like everything my mom had told me was coming true. The jump rope was going to get me. Um, And so I developed a slightly irrational fear of jump ropes. Like, that's just something that my mother gave me. (laughs) Um, And so that is just one example, right? Like, the jump rope, her her rule was to keep me safe, but it ended up giving me this, like, little fear that was a little irrational. But not all of our fears as mom are irrational, right? Like, we literally know that if you don't wear a helmet, you might bust your head open on the pavement. Like, this is a good thing. You should be wearing a helmet. Um, And so the Bible says... The wise are cautious and avoid danger, but fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. So I want to, before we begin, I want to be able to differentiate the difference between caution or good judgment or wisdom and fear. Because there's a fine line, especially as parents, right? Between when we give into fear and when we're just being like good moms. There's good judgment here. And so I want to give you some examples of caution and fear. Um, Caution, like we talked about, is wearing a helmet, 
Um, and in relationships, it's setting boundaries. We set b- personal boundaries in relationships. That's really good. That's using wisdom and discernment for certain things. Um, another example would be to seek counseling or therapy, right? This is, this is us um, expressing and showing our good judgment when we think that we're in over our heads with the situation, and we can go seek therapy or counseling. And another one, and this one is personal to us, was educating ourselves about a diagnosis. When we got Joanna's diagnosis about her fatal heart condition, the first thing we did was we began to educate ourselves about what that condition was. And that was because God has given us a brain to use, and we wanted to go ahead and start educating ourselves about that. That was us using good judgment. But the fear side of all these things, instead of wearing a helmet, fear tells you don't get on the bike at all. Fear says it's too scary. We don't want to get on the bike to ride it. We're not even going di- to, we're just going to ditch the helmet altogether and we're not going to ride the bike. And instead of setting boundaries in fear, we create false peace or we avoid things in relationships with others. Can anyone relate to that? Like, you just don't want to rock the boat, right? It's too scary. So instead, we just kind of, we just sit there and we hope everything will work out instead of creating the tough boundaries sometimes we need to to create. And then for seeking counseling or therapy, this is a big one for, I think, all of us, is that instead we try to control what's going on in our lives, or we obsess, or we avoid. It totally depends on your personality. We've got an avoider in the family, and we've got an obsessor in the family. I'll let you decide who's who. I'm the obsessor. (laughs) Um, So, you know, fear helps us do that because instead of going and talking to someone or seeking help, it's too scary to open that can of worms, right? So we just don't do it. We avoid. Um, And then in in terms of Joanna, educating ourselves about a diagnosis, um, what we do instead is we obsess or we avoid. And my husband told me something really funny, that um, when it comes to moms and medical stuff, some of us spell God G-O-O-G-L-E, Google, right? You get on Google for what you thought was like a sore throat and you leave and you're like, I have throat cancer. Like, it's just, I have four days to live. It's the end. Um, And you do this with your kids too, right? You're like, oh, it's a little scrape. And then it's like, oh my goodness, you know, they're going into septic shock. Like, we have to take them in, like, to the ER. Um, And so instead of just, you know, exercising some of our wisdom and being like, okay, this is probably fine. We'll get through it. It's like immediate 911, right? Like, and Google takes us there because we're obsessing. Um, And so these are just, you know, some differences between caution and fear. And I wanted to help you guys understand that because we're going to talk about the fear side of things today. We're not going to talk about the cautious side. And the reason why we're talking about the fear side of things today is because we're not going to be talking about situations like getting on a bike and wearing a helmet that cause fear. We're going to be talking about seasons of fear, right? Like these long, drawn-out moments in our life where there's a definitive line where we can look back and think, oh my goodness, that's when this started. This was a scary diagnosis. My marriage fell apart here. You know, there was an addiction in the family here. These are moments when there's something that happened that changed your life forever, and the result of that could have been fear. This is what we're going to talk about today. And so I want to talk to you guys about what the opposite of fear is, because I think it's really important to know how to overcome fear. We should know what the opposite of fear is. And I think the Bible is actually pretty clear about this, and I think the opposite of fear is love. And the reason why I think this is because in 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And I think that's a really strong statement. 
Whoever fears, which is all of us because we're human, hasn't been perfected in love. And when I first read that, I felt a lot of like guilt and shame at first. Like, oh, wow, I'm not made perfect in God's love. Like, I have moments of fear as a mom or as a person. But the next verse shows us that it isn't necessarily a statement to shame us, but to bring us hope through our fear. And the next verse says, we love because he first loved us. And we hear that all the time, like we're capable of loving each other because God first loved us. But when I read that this time in this context of fear, I realized that God is capable of loving every single person here without fearing for you. He is not afraid of your situation or where you're headed or what decisions you're going to make or of your safety. He loves you so perfectly that there's no fear involved. And so when I was reading that, I thought, okay, if God can do that, then he can teach me how to do that with my children. So there is a way for me with Joanna's diagnosis that is super scary and extremely unknown. There's a way for me to love her so fully that I don't have to fear for her. And I'm like, okay, I don't actually know how to do that. So I'm, I'm going to pray about this because the only way for me in my mind to be able to parent Joanna well was that I could not spend my life and her life consumed by fear for her situation because it, it just, it just didn't seem likely that we were going to have a great family structure if mom is always scared about what's going to happen with baby number four. And so I started to ask God, I need you to teach me how to love Joanna without fear. And so it's important to understand that God, because he's so perfect and because his nature is so perfect, that when he's busy loving all of us and he can do it without fear for us, that means that we are capable of tapping into that too, right? Because we're all children of God. And so I'm going to show you some pictures here. They're just some pictures about Joanna and our story. And I wanted to show you these so that you can see the reality of our day-to-day life with Joanna and what we experienced. So that when I talk to you about fear, some of you can understand that I was really scared, right? There were days that were just really scary. And so we're going to kind of start at the beginning. We have some pictures. We're just going to flip through them. And um, so this is me in Boston. We're about to have a fetal heart echo to find out if we're eligible to have our in utero heart surgery on our baby girl. Um, and there was a 70% chance in that picture that she wasn't, you know, that, that she would make it, but there was a 30% chance we didn't know if she'd make it, but she made it. And so here we are on delivery day. This is me getting ready to deliver Joanna. And then Joanna's delivered. She made it through that. And this is dad giving her a kiss for the first time. And then our next picture, this is a quarter of the delivery room. So just for you to understand how many people it took to bring Joanna into the world safely, this is what I watched while I was delivering her. There were 36 people in the room with us. Everybody had their own job. This is me holding her. This is on day two. I finally got to hold her. And this is her. She came back from the OR after her first open heart surgery at two days old. And here she is again at three days old. This is at five days old. She had just completed her next heart cath and came back from the OR. Here's dad hanging out with her. All right, so for the next, um, she's not very happy in this picture. I promise there's no pain involved in this one. This is an EKG, and she got one of these every five days for seven months. 
right? This in an echo because her condition was so unstable that we had to go into DC every five to seven days to make sure that her heart wasn't in heart failure. And so every time we would drive in, I'd pray, God, help me to love this girl without fear because we don't know what we're going to hear today. Here she is at another, another echo. She's a little bit older here. All right, we were hospitalized a total of seven times in seven months. This was one of our hospitalizations when we discovered that she had Kawasaki disease, which she survived. So on top of her heart condition, she also got another little fun added bonus. This is another hospital stay, another cath procedure. And this is another echo in the hospital, just making sure her heart's good. This is um, two days' worth of meds at home. It's how many meds she gets um, during the day to keep her healthy. This is one of our handy equipment. We had to check her um, oxygen level um, like three to four times a day to make sure it didn't dip below 70. You and I, we're like 100. That top number is 100. But because Joanna's heart is so different, um, she's in the 70s at this time. And so, you know, that just shows every time I'd plug this up, there was a moment of fear. What am I going to see? What, you know, how is she doing today? This is her not so sure about her echo. <laughs> This is me the night before her second open heart surgery. I popped her in the sling and walked her around the hospital and prayed over her um, because I knew the next morning she was going back and there was actually a pretty good chance that I might not hold her again. This is dad walking her down to the OR the morning of her surgery. And this is her um, coming out of a 12-hour open heart surgery. And this was the first thing that we saw when we walked in. Um... And this is her intubated. This is the next day. um, Her chest is closed here, so actually this was two days later. Um, This is us praying over her. And this is 16 days after that first picture of being her open heart surgery. This is what God can do in 16 days. We're home, and there she is. And she looks great. And that's the last picture. So what I want you guys to see with that... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So what I wanted to show you guys with that is that it wasn't one of those things where it was like, oh, we got a bad diagnosis, but we got a cure, and so things are great, right? It was every single day we woke up, and I was standing at the crossroads. Can I fear today, or can I ask God to help me overcome the fear? This was the two options I had, because there's no middle ground, right? You're either in it or you're out. And so every day I had these options. And, you know, some days I failed. Some days it was just, like, pure panic. I'm not going to lie. Like, we also have three other kids, and life was just crazy at the time. But, you know, there was a mindset that I developed after a while because it became a habit to wake up and say, okay, I don't know what today, you know, what we have. There were a few days where we had emergencies and she was rushed in via ambulance to D.C. That happened. You know, those worst fears kind of happened a few times. But in those moments, I had to ask God to help me show me how to love her and how to be her mom without fearing for her. And so... You know, the Bible tells us that perfect love has no fear, right? And so this is the thing that's tricky about fear, because it almost always seems really and feels really valid, 
right? Like those pictures show us there's a reason to fear, right? We look at that and that is like really scary. There's no really good outcome there. We're not sure what's going to happen. And so fear tricks us into thinking that sometimes we're fearing for our kids or we're fearing for situations because we're trying to keep something safe, right? Fear can tell us like, oh, you should, you know, you should be really careful or this is really scary. So, you know, you should believe the lie that I'm telling about telling you about this situation. And so what I want to talk to you about is um, how we respond to fearful situations. Because this is the one thing God just told me over and over and over again with Joanna's situation. How I respond to a fearful situation tells me what I believe about God. That is what fear does. What we decide to do in that moment, it tells me what I believe about God. And I think there's four attributes of God's nature that are super present in a moment of fear that we either choose to trust about him or we choose to doubt about him. And so we're going to talk about these four things. Um, The first one is, if we believe God is inherently good, then we know that he will love us through any situation. If we believe that God is inherently good right? Like he is good. If we believe that God can be nothing but good, then we have to believe that he's going to love us through and see us through any situation. And this isn't to say that there aren't bad things that happen in this world. We live in a fallen world. It's the nature of what it is, right? Josie's heart isn't perfect, It's not perfect. Something happened along the way when she was being created, and she has half a heart now. So there's things in this life that are going to happen that are going to be really big bumps in the road. But the thing is, if we believe that God is good, despite some of the things that happen along the way, then we know that he has good plans for us, and he's going to carry us through. And the difference between knowing if it's God doing something or if it's the enemy doing something is, is one simple question, right? Does this situation come from a place of love? All right? Is this coming from a, a place of love? If it's coming from a place of confusion and doubt and anger, if it's coming from all of that, if there's something in your life that's being caused by that, that's the enemy. That's the enemy trying to get you. All right? But if it's coming from a place of gentle correction or a place of growth or a place of spiritual you know, satisfaction where you're growing and you're becoming closer to Jesus, that's God. And that's something to embrace. But you have to be able to know the difference between who God is and he's love, that's what the scriptures say, and what the enemy is out trying to do. So you have to ask yourself sometimes, step back and say, you know, where is this coming from? And there's so many times in my life where I can stop and I can say, this is coming from a place of love. It really is. I can feel it. And so the second thing is, if we believe in the power of God, then we believe that we have access to his power as his children. Because we're his children, right? Do you believe that? That when you accepted Jesus into your heart and into your life, you became a child of God. And you have access to the inheritance of God, which is all his power. And so this means we have access to miracles, right? Modern day miracles. Jesus healed the blind man, right? He did that. He helped the lame to walk. But it also comes with the ability to overcome our unbelief and our doubt. And honestly, I think that's the bigger miracle. I really do. I think being able to overcome unbelief or doubt is bigger than getting the physical healing because it has to do with our heart. 
And our heart is a tricky place. And so when we have these moments, we prayed over Joanna all the time. We still pray over her. God, heal her heart, make it perfect. But what I realized when I was praying that is that I also had to overcome my unbelief or doubt in God's plan for her. Right? Because what if she's not healed? What does that mean? There's a fear there. And what I realized is that my fear was stopping the greater plan that God had for us. And so I had to start asking God, you know what? I think the miracle here needs to be in my heart. I think I need you to work the miracle in me to overcome my unbelief or doubt for this. Because this, you know, I'm human and I'm looking at this situation and I don't really like it. (laughs) Right? I'm not a fan. (laughs) And so I need you to help me be able to look at this maybe one day and be able to see the miracle that was working there. Um, And so the third thing is if we believe God supplies all our needs and he's our provider, then we can know that a season of without is simply a season of challenge or growth. And this might be one of the hardest things because the world we live in, we live in tells us that being without is a problem. We live in a society right now where we need more, we need more, we need everything. We need we need like the great house and the great car and the great job and the perfect family. We 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 shouldn't have problems. Right? That's what the world tells us right now. And that's not really anywhere in the Bible. It's not. We are going to be um, in this life. There's going to be struggles. And we're not always going to have the happy ending. And there's not always going to be like the perfect bow on top of our situations. There are some situations that just go unresolved. Right? And the world has told us that that's a problem. That we need to fix it. That we need to be in control. That we need to find a way to make it perfect again. But God tells us, I supply all of your needs. I am your provider, not you by yourself. And so when we can understand that, we can understand that God says he's enough, even in the midst of our season with, of without, whatever the without is. It could be finances. It could be a relationship. It could be a diagnosis. It could be an addiction. I don't know what your season of being without looks like, but I do know that God's big enough to get you through it because that's what he promises us. So when you have your season of without, for us, it was Joanna's health. That was our season of being without. And that created a whole other season. We were not normal. We were without time. We were without finances. We were without, you know, um, security, you know, with as a family. There were so many things that came with Joanna's health and her being without. But we also saw that because of our season— we were able to see a lot of other things that we would never have seen before. And so in Joanna's season of being without, over here, there was a ton of abundance. Because all of a sudden we met all these amazing doctors and all these nurses, and it just so happened that we lived only an hour and a half away from the best cardiac hospital in the nation, right? And it just so happened that the only surgeon in the U.S. who does Joanna's surgery was in D.C., And it just so happened that all these nurses and doctors, years before anything happened with Joanna, they went to school to become what they were. And so our season of without highlighted the season of abundance over here that we would have never known before. And so you have to remember that even when we're in without over here, there's something super awesome happening on this side. And it just was a perspective shift, 
right? Because over here, I didn't, before Joanna's health, we didn't know about this world over here that God was preparing for us. And in that same way, the season of abundance happened for all of you, right? Joanna has blessed more than just our family. Joanna's story has blessed so many people around us. It has brought us together. I have gotten to watch so many of your spiritual giftings come out of the woodwork because Joanna's story has given you the chance to be shifted into that new atmosphere. And so her story of without has given the rest of us a chance at abundance and something else. And so this came because God was challenging us and was growing us. There was something he wanted to see us as a family do. And in order to do it, he gave us Joanna, right? And man, Joanna's awesome. Like, we love her. We love her story. We love what God's doing in her life. Would we have chosen it? Would any of us choose suffering for our kids? Absolutely not, right? But it's the nature of the world that we live in. And so now that we have it, the question is, what do we do with it? And so the fourth thing is, If we believe that God is eternal and has therefore created us in his own image of eternity, then we believe that goodness always awaits us, either here on earth or in heaven. And this is the biggest hang-up for Christians, okay? Because we say, like, we can't wait for heaven. Yes, we believe in God. Like, it's going to be great. And then, like, if we really had to ask ourselves, like, would we prefer everything to be neat and tidy on this end, or do we want to wait for heaven? The answer is, we want it to be great here, too, right? Like, we want everything to work out really well on this side of eternity. And so, this is where fear comes in for us, because the heaven principle right? Although we know what the Bible says, and I think we all know what we believe about it. The question is, do we still have fear about it? Do we really believe deep down that heaven is where we're going to have perfect bodies and where things are going to be literally perfection? And this was something I had to face with Joanna because heaven seemed really close for her for a while. And sometimes it still does. And so I had to ask myself, okay, do I trust God's plan that even if she's not healed here, And even if things don't work out great here, or even if I don't get a full lifetime with her, because it's possible we might not, am I still okay with the plan to have eternity with her? Am I still okay with her perfect body in heaven? Am I okay with the perfection that God has planned for us in heaven? And like, honestly, a few days I was like, no, I'm not cool with that. (laughs) Right? Like, I think I'd really prefer everything to be great over here. And this is where we have to trust and we have to have faith that God has the bigger plan for us. We also have to really wrap our minds around the fact that this life is like the tiniest little blip on the map of eternity. It's just like a beep, and then that's it, and then it's like forever. Um, And that God's being eternal, it means that there's a whole lifetime before us that's happened, and there's a whole lifetime after us that's going to happen. And God's all of it, and he's everywhere. And so when God says, whoa, you know, don't fear, like, I got this, it's because he's like, I've been here for forever, and I'm there already, where you think you can't even, like, imagine yet, and it's all good, right? Because you and I, we're in relationship together, and we're going to be in heaven together. And so I had to come to terms with the fact that Joanna might not ever look great and perfect in the world's terms on this side, but man, her body's perfect body is already waiting for her in heaven, right? Like God's already done that. It's done. And so 
you know, when we can look at these things and we can see the perspective and put fear next to the, the attributes and the nature of God, then we can ask ourselves, what is fear in light of God's goodness, in light of his provision, in light of his power, and in light of his eternal nature? What is fear then when we put it up against those things? And the answer is fear is simply a temptation to doubt God. That's it. Fear has no power on its own. It is just a temptation to doubt what God has in store for you. And so when you scale fear back down to realizing it just comes down to a choice, it's not so scary anymore, right? Fear doesn't seem so powerful anymore because where fear felt like it had a whole body of its own and it can just come in and swoop and just take away things in your life, now you realize, wait, no, fear is just one decision I have to make. That's it. It's just a temptation. And so you have to understand that fear isn't capable on its own, right? Fear is only dangerous when we decide to act on it. And here's what this can look like. So what happens is we get a situation like Joanna, right? We get a diagnosis with our baby girl, and it's heartbreaking, right? Guys, I am not putting, taking anything lightly, the things that you've all been through. We have loss in this room. We have grief in this room. There's some really deep, dark stuff that we've gone through in our lives, and it hurts, all right? So I understand. (laughs) I really do. And so what happens is, in these moments, we get something that really hits us. It's like a gut punch. And all of a sudden, the, the thought happens, the temptation happens, God doesn't care. He didn't help me. God's not here. And that becomes, I'm all alone. I'm alone. There's no one here with me. And that becomes, man, why am I even here? Like, what's the point of doing this? And it becomes hopelessness. That's what fear does. It leads us down that path to hopelessness. But on the flip side, when you're over here and you get kicked in the gut, because you will get kicked in the gut, it happens, you can say, okay, I believe that God loves me. I believe that God loves me. And so now you start looking around to see where the love is in your life. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, God's here with me because I see it here and I see it here and I see it here. And so, okay, God's here with me. And that becomes God is fighting for me. He's fighting on my behalf. And that means you're not alone. And now it's hope, right? Because now our perspective is different from over there. Now we realize and we can recognize where God is in our situation, even if the situation doesn't change, because we've shifted the way we've decided to look at things. Instead of giving into fear, which leads to hopelessness, we've decided to start looking for how God is loving us in our situation. And so the question is, what do you do when fear comes? And the answer is you go back to the nature of God, and we recognize that he's worthy of our praise, whether or not he fixes the situation, because he's God. He's good. He's eternal. He's powerful. He loves us. He's going to help us get through it. So even though I was over here and Joanna's heart isn't necessarily fixed, right? Like all the things I really wanted God to do in my fear, in those moments of fear, please do this so we don't have to live like this. You know, God was over here like, but I have so much for you over here. I have so much for you over here. And so now I'm like, oh my goodness, I can just praise him for who he is, not because of the things he has or hasn't done. Because God is worthy of our praise no matter what he does or doesn't do. It's just because he's God. 
And once I could recognize that, it, it changed my whole life. It changed my perspective because now instead of feeling tense and being like waiting for God to answer all these things and having a laundry list for him to do, it was like I was just free to experience God for who he is instead of having to wait for him to like fix all these different things. And the freedom that came through that totally erased any fear I had connected with Joanna's situation. It just erased it. Because suddenly, I'm just sitting here with God, who just absolutely adores me and loves Joanna more than I could ever love her. And it's just the face of Jesus, right? He's awesome. And it doesn't matter that Joanna might be sick, because in heaven, she's going to be well. And so this is the story of fear. It says that there's no, there's no hope over here. You just need to, you just need to hide right? You, maybe it's shame, right? You, you feel ashamed that you doubt or you have disbelief in God. And so it wants you to hide over here. And God's just like, come talk to me about it. Let's chat, right? Because God already knows those things. He knows that maybe you have doubt. There's no shame in that. We're human. So come and talk to him about it. And so when we feel tempted to fear, you need to remember that fear is lying to you about your situation. Because the situation is that God loves you. That's the only situation you ever need to know. And he's going to carry you through it. And so you always have the power of God to walk you through your season. And I'm going to end with this. Um, The Bible says, I have told you, and this is Jesus saying this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's overcome your situation. He's overcome anything that you have to fear. God has already done it. And so he's not saying it's going to be easy. It says right there there's going to be many trials and sorrows, right? Because it's just the world we live in. Joanna's heart is always going to be tricky for us. You guys, her open heart surgery didn't fix anything. It's just keeping her alive. There's no, um, there's no cure for her. There's no fix. We are going to be living day to day to the next doctor's appointment, to the next echo, to the next, honestly, day of bad news, to the next transplant. 90% of kids with her condition end up with other organ transplants. And almost all of them, 100% of them, end up with a heart transplant at some point in their life. All right? She is not fixed or cured. But God has overcome her situation already. She's going to have trials and she's going to have sorrows. And it's not going to be something that you and I would have picked. But God has a really great plan for her. And if we can believe that, we can move past any fear that we might have in our lives. So I'm going to pray for you. God, I just ask that you just be with us today. I ask that you remove the spirit of fear that could be in our lives, in our situation. Whatever it is, God, we know that you are greater, that you have overcome, that you are powerful, Lord, and that you love us through whatever it is that we're going through. So God, I just ask that your spirit just comes and it gives us the freedom that we need to be able to love our children and to love one another without the fear. God, I ask that you remove any of the fear we have in our marriages or in addictions or in our health or in our finances, Lord. Whatever it is that we have a tight grip on because we are scared of what the future holds, I ask that we leave that up to you, that we open up our grip, God, and we just ask you to give us freedom through those areas so that we can fully trust you. 
God, thank you so much for the stories that you've given us. Thank you for the growth and the opportunities for growth that you give us in the situations that we have in our lives. And God, I just ask a special blessing over all of the moms here. God, I just ask that you remove the spirit of fear from them as mothers, that they can just freely love their children without being worried for them. God, I just ask that you just go with them today. You go with them into this week, Lord, and that you just show them your abundant love. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to do a Joe Biden right now. Give me a hug. Oh, there's a new speaker in the house. Thank you. So that's a message that wasn't just in a book. That's coming out of real life. And um, so I want to talk about real life, real relationships for for just a moment. Uh, In a a crowd this size, uh, pretty much guaranteed that there are people in the room who don't really understand what a real relationship with Jesus is. Uh, One of the things that I always try to make sure people understand is that what we do here is not about religion. Um, it's It's about where we are, life itself. And uh, so many of us, myself included, um, have uh, lived lives where we just really needed God to change us, to come in, to heal us, to to fix us, to to bring life where there wasn't life. And um, when we started this church almost 20 years ago, uh, we did this for people who... um, we're just broken, hurting, in need. And the reason that we did that was because we know what true love is about. And we knew that God wasn't about religion and wasn't about all of the things that mankind has made him to be. But he, we learned that the picture of God was Jesus. And that Jesus said, if you want to know who God is, look at me. And then he gave his life for us. So that's not about a religious exercise. It's about us knowing him. And I was just thinking today that, you know, as Carly was talking and she's sharing about what she has learned through this and who God has been in the middle of this. Uh, there are some of you today who are in the middle of just a hellish situation. And you don't need religion. You need God. You need a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask you right now, if that's you, if you need to start this real relationship with the Lord, on the front of the Connect card that's in your program, under Next Steps, it's the very first thing that's there. And, And it's your decision today, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this step. We're not going to... um, We're not going to just leave you there. We're going to help you. We'll walk with you. If you're from out of town, I know we have a lot of guests from out of town today. Listen, we'll follow up with you just to get you started. We'll help you find a church that you can grow from and learn from. Uh, But I don't want you to miss the message today. And uh, so if you 
want to begin this relationship with God, just check that box. I want to begin a real relationship with God. And we'll be in touch. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to receive the offering. And I'm going to ask for those of you who are part of our church to continue your incredible giving. You guys are amazing. Um, for those of you who are visiting today, you are our honored guests. We're so glad you're here, and thank you for joining us. For all the moms and grandmoms, we love you so much, and uh, we're just we're just thankful to be able to celebrate today with every one of you. And um, the uh, gifts we have are not just for moms; they're for any woman in the building. Guys, just chill out; you don't get anything. All right. Um, Let me pray again. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for this incredible and powerful message we heard today. I pray, Father, that all of us would take this home and just have a different picture, a little different picture of who you are. And I pray that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray specifically for those who are taking this next step today that in the middle of their pain and hurt, that you would let them know what it's like to walk with God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.